Morning, church. Morning. Morning. It's great to be together. Happy uh, fall, I think. Um, <laughs> somehow between spring and fall, I blinked and summer was gone. And, uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but we have a nice fall here, so something to look forward to. Carl left. I'm going to ask you. Uh, Caroline, my wife, leaned over to me uh, as Carl was leaning, uh, singing, and she said, we got to find out what he had for breakfast. <laughs> a whole lot of energy. Um, I'm excited this morning to, to speak. I'm a little nervous. It's been a while. Um, uh, but I figured uh, I would just lean on advice that I was given by an old friend that just, just be you and bear your heart. And uh, God will work through that. And I, uh, I want to talk this morning about uh, the church and the church being a verb and not a noun. Um, before I do that, about a month ago, my uh, son-in-law and I went out to um, Colorado and uh, um, He's been my son-in-law for just over yeah. He's been in the U.S. for um, just over a year. Uh, he grew up in Algiers, Algeria, and uh, he's heard a lot about my family. I come from a family of six kids, and uh, um, he's heard a lot of stories. And I think he was kind of scared to meet him, um, <laughs> to, to be honest. And uh, but I wanted wanted him to know these men. Uh, my oldest brother is 67, so he's getting up there in age. Um, all three of my brothers are not great health. Um, based on their own life decisions, but I really wanted them, uh, to, for Kareem to, to meet them and just get to know them a little bit. And uh, so we went out to Colorado and uh, spent some time with them and it was great. And when I got back, I started reflecting on, on family and got kind of nostalgic. And my family was the quintessential family of the 60s and 70s. And by quintessential, I don't mean the Cleavers from Lady the Beaver, I mean the sister family that just has all kinds of dysfunction and just unravels as we grow and, and uh, as I got older. And uh, my parents uh, met at uh, Washington, or at, um, sorry, um, wow, yeah, in Kansas. They were uh, shockers. Um, so they were Wichita University, which is now Wichita State. And my dad went to school to uh, be an accountant, and my mom uh, went to get married. And she always bragged that she got her MRS degree in one semester, and my dad took four years to get his bachelor's. And uh, so, uh, you know, they, they uh, met in December of 1956. They were married uh, February 23rd, 1957. My oldest brother was born September 11th, 1957. Wow. So that's six and a half months later. Uh, and my mom, to the, to the day that my grandmother died, my mom was convinced that she uh, convinced her mother that she was premature. And that her nine pound baby, born at six and a half months, was a pre premature baby. Um, my parents were a good Catholic uh, um, uh, uh, parenting group. And uh, Chris was born in 57. My brother Eric was born just over a year later, or a year and a half later. In, uh, actually, yeah, a year and four months. Um, 1959. My sister Lori was born in 1960. They decided to take a break, and my brother David was, was born in 64, so they took four years off, three years, whatever, and then I was born in, in, in 66. So we were a poor family of, of five kids and, uh, and um, seven in total, and again, it was quintessential. They were, um, uh, my dad was a hard worker, my mom was, was volunteering for everything. They were highly active. My dad was a scoutmaster, my mother was a den mother, um, my, my dad coached, my mom was there for all the sporting events, and so it was, it was a, that nice uh, family core in the beginning, and then by the time I rolled around, things started changing, and uh, 
I think my mom was getting burned out. Um, she was um, married at 18, had her fifth child by 29. Um, she was pretty worn out, and she was checking up. And uh, so in 1976, um, I say quintessential family again because Carolyn has almost the same identical story with her family. Um, in 1976, my parents decided they wanted to get divorced. My mom moved out of the house. My dad wanted custody of the kids, which was fine with my mom. Um, at that point, my oldest brother, Chris, had moved out of the house, and uh, my brother, Eric, was one year away from, from graduating and, and moving out, and my sister, Lori, graduated early, so she could get married. And all of a sudden, we were, we were still a family, but it was just my brother, David, and, and my dad and I, and my brother, was out, David, was always working, so I didn't see much of him. So, you know, my family then was, you know, my dad and myself, and I would be weekends with my mom, quintessential family. And... Uh, so it was weird. As we transitioned through all these times, we were always a family. On paper, we were always a family. As a noun, we were a family. Um, but in reality, family was just weird. There wasn't a whole lot of family stuff, stuff going on. Um, my dad was totally devoted to his kids, but he was working a lot. And um, so as we progressed uh, through, through years, uh, brothers and sisters had kids, and, and we had kids, and the family just kept growing. And, you know, we have this big noun of a family, but we didn't have a lot of relationships. My mother mother died in 2004. I went back uh, a couple times, one uh, time before she died and then one after. And it, it, when I went back after my mom died, I had a conversation with my two older brothers, um, Eric, Eric and Chris, and they, they made the comment, well, you don't seem to be like your morning mom. And I said, well, she was, wasn't really around for me. I didn't, I didn't have much experience with her as my mom. She always wanted to be her friend after her parents got divorced. And they said, really? And we had a totally different experience. And uh, I said, that's, that's, I never thought about that. It's kind of weird. And then I said, well, what was your experience? What was it like to, um, with Dad? And they said, well, Dad was super strict. He was authoritarian. Um, he didn't spare the rod. I started thinking, Dad never hit me. And he used to beat them with a, with a belt. And I started thinking, wow, this is, this is so weird. We were a family, but we had two different, right. two different parents. Yeah. They were the same people, with a different experience yeah. with, the, with those people. Yeah. And um, so the wheels were just turning. On, and I'm thinking, through all the years, we've always been a family, no matter what happened. My dad remarried. We got a sixth, yeah, sixth kid in the, in, the, in the family, so we're now we're, we're six strong. And, and um, it's, it's been a family, and I have very relationships with all my siblings. My brother David and I were super close in the beginning. Um, we were, he was a year and a half older than I, but uh, we were always the same size because he was a little undersized. So my mom dressed us like twins. And we did everything together. We, you know, we hunted squirrels, we built fires, we were always getting in trouble together. Um, so the relationships were strong, and then as time passed, the, that, that was not my primary relationship with my siblings. I started hanging out with my older brother, who had some addiction problems, and trying to help him out with that. And when he got sober, it really improved our relationship. And you know, it just kind of bounced around, and it really dawned on me in my relationship with both my parents and with my siblings, that family is a verb. And family is what you make of it. And you, on paper, you're always going to have the family tree, and you're going to have those associations, and, and they say uh, blood stuck in the water. And so there is that kind of loyalty, even if you're not spending time together. But really, being part of family is, is um, it's a verb. It's an action. Yeah. And so I've been trying. I used to go out to Colorado once a year um, to meet up with my father, spend time with my brothers who were fishing. My, my dad passed in 2015, and I just stopped going. And uh, it just, to me, it was, it was kind of meaningless. And 
got the conviction after COVID, but really kind of during COVID because there was a lot of time for reflection there, that I wanted to spend time with them. I wanted to make the effort to go back and spend time with them, rebuild those relationships, be a part of our lives. And so I've been going back every year. And uh, first year, I took our youngest uh, daughter back. And that was kind of her first chance to meet my brothers because... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she, she had heard a lot of stories, too. Um, a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> she fit right in with them. She, she loved them. Um, and she, she can be somewhat standoffish, but she was just in there for all the dad jokes, all the crude okay. remarks, the weirdness, and the dysfunction. And she kind of embraced it, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so then, then the following year, two years ago, I went back and out. And my, my brother David has had several kids by various women. And uh, his first child, Aaliyah, um, He's kind of zoned, and so I've tried to pick up that relationship. And she's she's made she's made a family of verb by just coming out and visiting us every chance she gets. She's been to the rock probably five times now, just to visit us. And so I, I tried to make a special time for her as well. And so she, she said she wanted to go backpacking, and she's never been backpacking. And I said, okay, well we'll do that next year. And then as we're getting closer and closer to the date, Karen says, have you seen Alia? Um, on Facebook, and I said, not, not really. She's gained about 100 pounds, and uh, something in that we're not going back. <laughs> we're going to go for a hike, and so I shortened it. And uh, sorry, I'm going long with this story, but it, it all will make sense in a little bit here. Um, so I shortened the hike to, to 11 miles. We're going to go in for two nights, and, and we get on the trail, and she's just sucking wet, and she's having a hard time. And so I said, Leah, just stay here. I'm going to go up. Another mile, I'm going to set up camp. I'll come back and get your pack. We'll get you up there. We'll get you arrested and whatever. Over dinner, she's telling me all these health issues she's having. Uh, at, at age 35, just serious, serious health issues. And um, it, was, it, was just, it was just crazy. And I'm, I'm starting to think, well, I'm glad I made time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long she's going to be around with all this mm-hmm. stuff going on. And she's doing really well now. She's lost almost all or definitely all that weight and more. Yeah. Um, but um, it just it meant a lot to me to make make time for those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this last last trip, hanging out with my brother Chris, spending time with them was a super challenge now. Eric and Chris are opposite political spectrums. They're opposite views on COVID and vaccines. And so they don't see each other. And so when I go out to visit family, I got to say, Eric, Chris, are you guys talking? I want to see you both. I'd love to do it at the same time, make it a whole lot, a whole lot easier on me, but no, we got to do it separate. Elia, I'd like to see you. Um, can you come out to Grand Junction where everybody else is? And she says, as long as my father's not there. It's just, it's just it's bizarre. And so trying to be a part of a family is a very strong verb to me now. It's a, it takes a lot of work. Um, but it's, it, to me, it's, it's really worth it. And as I started thinking about that, um, uh, as I was thinking about the lesson, and everything that the church is going through right now, um, over the years, we've, we've met in various places. We've always been in the Hilton, pretty much from the beginning, um, 28 years, because they've been good to us. And over the years, we've thought we, we really ought to find a better place. We shouldn't be leaving out there. It's just kind of weird. It's stale. It's getting old. Um, but they've always been super good to us. We have a contract with them, but if we don't want to meet one week, we just cancel it and they don't charge us. If they have a huge event, they tell us, and we find another place to visit. Um, it's inexpensive. Um, but I started thinking about that with everything, that, decisions we might have to make here in the future as, as far as where we're going to meet and thinking, you know, it's church is a verb. Church can be a noun, but in reality, it, it, it's a verb. And I know what you guys are thinking. The definition of a noun is a person, place, or thing. So the church is a person, obviously. 
And I've got a scripture for it. Church is a person in Hebrews 2 and, and um, verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful, a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So obviously, the church is a person. It's Jesus. Because God created the church for him and him for the church. And he's the head of it. And obviously the church is a place where it's 60 Battery Street at the Hilton in Burlington. And uh, we've met in other places, but we're a place. And we're also a thing where we are a Vermont corporation in good standing, right? Yeah. I haven't checked it in a while, but I think we're good. <laughs> uh, we have a board of directors. Um, we are an organization. We are a thing. So I can argue now that church is a noun and a thing, but more importantly, it's a, uh, sorry, it's a, a noun and a verb, but more imper- importantly, the noun doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that Jesus doesn't matter, but I think we've all had some experience with church and the, the typical church in the United States doesn't really put Jesus in, in, in the forefront. They may have his name on the door or the name in the name of the church, but a lot of churches, at least the ones I grew up in, it was more of a, of a devotion to a program mm-hmm. or an agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had potlucks, we had uh, various events, uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of Jesus in, in those churches. Those, those structures, those nouns, were truly nouns because Jesus wasn't the head of them. He wasn't the reason people were coming. They were coming for the entertainment. They were coming for the social experience. And so I think, in a lot of ways, church, when it's a noun, it's, it's not a good thing. It's, it's, unless the verb is there, it's just, just another thing. And I think we can follow the same thing. I think we can focus too much on events. We can uh, focus too much on um, doing stuff or making, having a good song ministry, which is, is an important thing, but that shouldn't be the reason why we're here. Yeah. We can uh, focus on great teaching and, um, and inspiring lessons, that sort of thing, which is a good thing, but it's not why we're here. Yeah. And we're here to proclaim Jesus. And, he, and it, mm-hmm. in order for Jesus to be a part of this church, he needs to be the verb. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly the, the uh, church as a noun being a thing, it, just, it doesn't matter. I mean, we don't have to be incorporated. We don't have to have board of directors. I mean, legally we do, but to, to be the true church, we don't have to do those things. And so it's not important. <clears throat> but the cool thing about how God has established his church through history is it's always been a verb. And you go back to Exodus, and God has created his church, what I would call his first church, in that he brought the captives out of Egypt, he freed them, and he sent them along the journey I think his first church is when he appeared to them. Mm-hmm. And that happened in, um, well, the, the idea, the concept was first introduced in Exodus 25 and verse 8 and 9. And uh, so God is, is telling me, telling the Israelites that you guys need to bring me an offering. You have to present your offering to me. And then uh, then he tells them once the, the offering is ready, then yet in verse 8 you um, have them make a sanctuary, he's talking to Moses, a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all, all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And he gives them the whole in- instruction on that. 
on, on what the what this tabernacle is supposed to be. And I don't know if you guys know, tabernacle is basically a tent. It's a temporary dwelling. And so God wants to make his appearance to them, and he wants to appear in a cloud of uh, in a cloud and in fire. And that I was just thinking that that's so cool. I wish we could have a cloud <laughs> and a fire. That was cloud by day, fire by night. And I think if we had that, we'd be meeting at night all the time. <laughs> just way cooler. But God. And so you know, God has established His church as a place, but it's not a place; it's His presence. Yeah. And he, he gives special order to what the tabernacle is supposed to be like. But it's a temporary thing. And I think he did that because he doesn't want us getting caught up on the now. He wants to see the verb of him being present, him being encouraging, him being reassuring to those people who are wandering and trying to know where, where their place is. They used to be captive. They, they couldn't take a vacation. They couldn't have to have a day off. Their time was not their own. All of a sudden, they have this freedom. But they're confused. They don't, they don't know what to do. And God's reassuring them, coming, coming in the form of a cloud and in the form of fire. So we established his church. And it, it was all about being a verb. It was meant to show God's presence. And then he made a, a very strong statement. He says, um, when the cloud dissipates and moves, you guys pack up and move. When it reappears... Stationary, you guys sit down. We're having church again. I'm going to be amongst you. I'm going to be in your presence all the time. But there's going to be a point in time where I want you to move, and you move. That verb. Because church is a verb. It was a, it was a reassurance to them that he was in control, and they were not. And that they were moving towards something better. And I read somewhere uh, that uh, depending on how the, the word... Uh, the word that's used in the in the Hebrew the tabernacle, it can either mean that it's a uh, a place to meet or a place that moves. And to me, that's powerful. And I think about the Burlington Church. We've been around for 28 years, and we haven't always met at the Hilton. There are times where we've not met at the Hilton much. And I, I sent an email to, to Rob asking, hey, he's been around forever, um, and, and Larry, who's been around forever, I said, where, where have we met in those 28 years? Can you just send me a list? And so we compiled a long list with Carolyn's help. And, and uh, we, we met uh, at the VFD, VFW Post in Burlington. Which, classic. Yep. If that's the noun in the church, we need a verb. <laughs> and and a, a mop to clean up the floor first. Um, we met at North Beach out here. We met in, in, in our homes in Wilson, Colchester, Essex, Shelburne, Charlotte, Jericho, Underhill, Stowe, Burlington, Winooski, Waterbury, and Waitsville. We met in the yurts in Huntington. At least the guys did. <laughs> we met in the barn at the Audubon Society, which uh, I'm surprised it's still standing. Um, the women have met Coach Barn and Shelburne Farms. I'm not surprised that's still standing. It's a beautiful building. We met on the side of Mount Mansfield. We uh, met at the Russell Farm Cabin in Huntington. We met at Sterling Ridge in Jeffersonville, Battery Park. The swimming pool in Essex. How many of you have been to a church at the swimming pool? <laughs> Other than us. <laughs> we did that year after year because at that time the church was almost all kids. We had more kids than we had adults. And so we had to adapt. We had to um, come up with new verbs 
to make sure the kids are excited about learning about Jesus. We've met at various apple orchards on an annual basis. Uh, Larry pointed out we uh, met at a movie set. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. What last week? Yeah, the A.O. State Park was the site of a, a movie. And we we meet in the pavilion that they built for the movie. Um, we've met at numerous fire pits. We met at Stonehouse in Essex. It was a beautiful mansion. It was an old captain's house. Uh, on top of Mount Philo, uh, the Shelburne Town Hall and Gymnasium, and the Jericho, Jericho Town event. I'm sure I've missed probably half of them because we've been around forever. The cool thing about that is that was our tabernacle. Wherever we went, we invited God to be there. And we didn't see the cloud. We didn't see the fire, at least not in those forms. But we did experience it. And I remember when I said we met on the side of Mount Mansfield, it was early early days in the church where we were on our camping trips and we were meeting up at the, the um, Underhill State Park. And very primitive. It had a pit toilet and that's it, no showers. Which was great because Carol and I think were the only ones with kids at the time. Yep. Um, everybody else had a blast, and we were we were struggling, <laughs> but we did. Um, but it was, it was those times where church wasn't about a place; it was about a devotion to one another. It was about you know, in those days, all the uh, single women wanted to hold her hold her babies and you know be around her our kids and and wanted to love up on them, and, and which grew over the years. It was a time where we just we were there to encourage one another. And we were young and dumb and, and, and just, just having a blast. But through the years, we, we've, we've done that. We, we met in various places. The, the apple orchard is an incredibly moving experience. Um, it's cold usually that time of year, and it's, uh, it, it's sometimes challenging. It's a lot of great memories. And it's really what it is that devotion to one another and devotion to God. Um, if we didn't have a place to meet, we'd find a place to meet. If we wanted, didn't want to meet at the Hilton, we'd find a place to meet. <clears throat> So through and all of that, the Burlington Church was a noun, but it was also a verb. It was a verb to, to one another. It was a verb to, to those in our community who would, who would come and visit, who would, who would bring out. And I think too many times as we, as we have our church, we worry about people who, we, who invite them. You know, when we invite them to the church, we worry about the experience they're going to have. What we're about is you know the scene going to be too much, too much energy, not enough energy. Um, should we have refreshments? Uh, are we going to be dynamic enough? What are they going to think? And the reality is, all we're doing is, is we're meeting in the presence of God. Yeah. And that's not enough. And if we can't rely on that, what can we rely on? So it's convicting as we as we think about this. Is, is, what, what is our church about? And I, I was thinking I was coming up with a unique concept of church being a verb and, and uh, not a noun, but I Googled it and there's like 40 other sermons out there about this. So I'm going to steal from, from Reverend Carolyn, Carolyn Moore from the As, Asbury Theological Seminary, and I've adapted her. She came up, she had her sermon, which was much different than mine, but then she had her questions about, are you a noun or a verb? And I stole some, I've adapted some of them, but I stole them. She asked, "Church is a noun." I say, "Go to." Um, when church is a noun, says, "I go to church." Church is a verb. Says, "I am the church." Are you a noun or are you a verb? 
church has announced that someone somewhere is supposed to provide the programs and I'm supposed to come to them. Church as a verb says I'm a functioning part of the body together with a whole lot of others and a partner in shaping my own spiritual growth. Are you a noun or a verb? I love that one because you know, the Church of Christ tries to pride itself on them. We don't, we don't have staff because they're doing the work for us. They're there to, to help us. Um, but still, we need to be committed to that. Yeah. You know, how many times have we come to church expecting a presentation? Mm. How, how many times have we come to church and said, I want somebody to encourage me. Mm. I want somebody to teach me. Mm. I want somebody to like me and inspire me. <clears throat> and if that's the attitude, then church is a noun. Church is a noun says the church owes me something. Church is a verb says if anyone owes me anything, I owe Jesus. Or, sorry, if anybody owes anything, I owe Jesus. Not to earn my salvation, but because of what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. My mission is to find what Jesus has done for me. Are you a noun or a verb? Mm-hmm. Church is a noun is always looking for what we used to have. There's this nostalgic part of me getting the knife in the heart thing. Yeah, that's, that's me. Um, church is a verb is looking for what's ahead. Mm-hmm. With excitement mm-hmm. and with a trust that God's in control. <clears throat> Church is a noun says, You come here and we'll show you Jesus. Church is a verb says, We'll come to you and be Jesus. Amen. Are you a noun or a verb? Church is a noun says, Let's go to church. Church's verb says, Let's just go. That's the whole tabernacle thing. That's the whole, whole Burlington church will go anywhere and meet anywhere because God is there. Church of the Verb says, when God moves, we move. Whatever the cost, whatever the commitment, because there's only uh, in following the Spirit and moving with the Spirit and embracing change that we find our pleasure, passion, and purpose, and so bring pleasure to God. Church is a call to action, and that's what Jesus taught. And I love that. I, I feel bad just in reflecting. It, it definitely pricks my heart to think about how many times I've, I've stood back and waited for something to happen or was too busy with work or kids or, or um, travel or whatever to really be a verb in this church. And there are times where we have to lean on one another and we're not always going to be on our best right? and we're not going to be able to, to carry their church. But it shouldn't be the, the, um, the default. When you think about how can we be a verb for one another? How can we be a verb to the lost, to the needy, to the homeless? It's convicting. We used to do a lot more as a church uh, in, in benevolence. You know, we used to, yeah, I think I've told this before, we used to go to St. Joe's retirement home. It's a retirement home run by the Catholic Sense for people who really can't afford to be in a home. And so it's, it's a rough place. And we always went there just hating to go, but we made a commitment to do it. And when I was left, thinking, this is great. I'm so glad we did it. They were uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there, there were days that I hated it. <laughs> it was not the thing that I wanted to do. But it was, it, it was so wild because it, there was one woman that I befriended there, and every time I'd go, I'd sit down with her, and she would tell, this, tell me the same story she told me last week. Because she didn't remember. Yeah. And I, I had to just go along with it. And it was, yeah. and it was just... It was salt of the earth. It was, it was, it was a cleansing and inspiring time to go. It just wasn't easy to go. And, you know, food kitchens and clean up uh, activity centers and that sort of thing, we need to get back into that. We need, to, we need to be a verb as a church and not just hope, you know, stand back and hope people come. 
Yeah. We have to inspire them. Yeah. Be Jesus to them. Yeah. Not bad. <clears throat> I uh, had lunch with Rob this week, and uh, it was a great time. And uh, after leaving there, I was thinking, this is crazy. I can't even remember the last time I had lunch with Rob. And it, it pointed out to me that Rob is my buddy as a noun. And, you know, Rob shouldn't be a noun to me. <laughs> and, yeah, I look forward to next time and let's make it sooner. And, uh, and I think we need to do more of that, just being part of the lives. And I, I listened a little bit of what uh, Douglas Jaffe um, spoke about. He, he made a point, I didn't get all the way to it, but he, he made a point that there's church and then parachurch. And church is where we, where we meet, or no, maybe I'll put it backwards. Basically, one is more important than the other. Church is the, the organization that has to happen, but the parachurch is the function. Do I have that right there? Okay. So anyway, he, he was saying this is so more important. It's so much more important that we're part of each other's lives. Right. Right. Way more important than just attending the church or doing that on Sunday. We need to have those times during the week. And, um, the, those times when we pick up the phone, which I'm super guilty of. A introvert hates to talk on the phone, and uh, um, I can only have so much interaction with people. <laughs> <They're probably done. laughs> but I think uh, I, I want to leave you guys with the challenge the challenge that I uh, felt in preparing this sermon was just be, be conscious of how God's whispering in your ear and how you need to be active. Focus on the verb and, and not the noun. And I want to leave you with a uh, a directive from Jesus seems like a good thing to do for a communion message. And Jesus was preparing for his, his time of death, preparing to, to, to go to the cross and knowing what was going to happen. And he didn't give instruction on, okay, you guys need to meet in the temple courts when I'm gone. Uh, make sure you spend some time in Jerusalem. This is the time to meet because we meet with. He didn't say that. He left him with one directive, which was verb based in John 13. In verse 34, he says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Very simple. We have to come up with the verbs that show our love for one another and find the ways to to, to make that effort to, to, to love one another, not only in this room, but outside our families. Those who are in need. Mm-hmm. Burlington is a very neat city, and it's getting more and more needy. Mm-hmm. We need to figure out ways to, to fulfill that. So, as we examine ourselves as a part of our, our sacrament of communion, I want to encourage everybody just to, just to reflect on what Jesus has done for us mm-hmm. and how he's made it available for us to do. Just pass that on, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forward to them, and not, not to the church, but to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, we are uh, incredibly blessed by the fact that you've called us, that you want us to be with you. And God, we are humbled by your presence this morning. I wish I could see a cloud. I wish I could see a fire. But I know it's enough to, just to know that you're with us, that you, uh, you've given us your spirit, and your spirit lives within us. And God, I, I pray that you use your spirit to, to spur us on to good deeds and to, to help us uh, just be uh, conscious of the needs around us. Help us understand how you love each uh, each one of us and how we can love one another in different ways and in ways that are verbs and not nouns. 
Uh, I'm thankful for Jesus' sacrifice. The fact that uh, he didn't want to go. Uh, it's, it's not an overstatement to say that he hated the cross uh, as he was going to it, but he, but he loved it when he had victory over it. Mm-hmm. God, I just pray that we can remember that, that we can understand that, and that we can have that same heart. That uh, though we have momentary troubles here, you've got so much, so much planned for us um, when we finally get to be with you. Uh, so just to relish those, those thoughts and uh, prepare for those uh, for, for that to happen. And uh, I'm just grateful for everything you've blessed us with. Mm-hmm.